What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another installment in the Indeed and In Truth Ministries podcast series. I'm Logan. I'm Amber. And we are here to bring you guys another episode. And so, as you guys know, we had a week off. We got behind. We realized that there was an episode that got released twice. And I think something got misnamed because I cannot find uh, the episode we did. It was actually called Judging the Right Way. Um, and when we did that episode, somewhere along the line, something got renamed in our files. And so I was trying to find that, and I don't even have the files, so I have no clue how that even happened. Um, and so I want to say, it wasn't even that one, actually. I take that back. It was uh, obedience and... I have no idea, because like, you're the one who names all that stuff and does all that. Well, it was, I ended up putting the judging the right way. It got renamed for the obedience one. And so that's the one I uploaded because I thought it was the right one because it like spazzed out and did something weird. I don't know what happened. But needless to say, we ended up running out of time being able to record and stuff like that. And so since we ran out, um, we just kind of let it go for the week. I figured, you know, whatever, we'll deal with it later. Um, we've also been fighting with our pool and uh, we've just he's we've, been fighting with our pool. Yeah, it's it's been it's just been a nightmare. It's not been good. Um so with that being said, I have absolutely no idea what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so anyways, you guys can reach out to us on our website at indeedandintruthministries.org on the contact tab. Uh, and you guys can also reach out to us on our prayer requests and stuff like that. You guys can reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and so uh, we're getting ready to start running the uh, testimony series. And we don't have a lot of them. So I'm, I, I tell, again, guys, if you can... Please reach out to us. We really want to get some more recorded. Um, and I'm really hoping we can find more people who are interested in sharing about stuff that God's done with them. So please reach out to us and let us know um, what you're thinking. Uh, because I think we've got enough right now to run through a month. And that's that's about it. So I really would like it to be a lot longer than that. So if you guys got testimonies you want to share, reach out to us, please. Um, even if you've already come on and shared your testimony with us before, uh, you know, maybe we can elaborate on it or something like that. Maybe I can come up with some different prompts for people who just want to come back and want to share more about what God's been doing and how they've grown and that kind of stuff. So, um, I don't know, Amber, what's on your heart? Well, I mean, I kind of talked to you about it a little bit earlier. So, and as I was sitting here, I was like, man, what are we even going to talk about? So I just, I, I was started thinking about what I talked to you about earlier about recharging. And how, and I think a lot of Christians that have been in the walk for a while, they deal with this problem. They get to a point where they just feel like they're completely drained. And I know it can't just be me in this season. And I mean, you said the same thing that you, you feel kind of the same way. And it's not that we're burnt out. It's just, we feel like we've gave it our all. We are in the final round and we're just trying our hardest to get the strength to power through that last round you know so um like I was telling you I was listening to a pastor last night he was talking about how when he gets to feeling like that he knows that he needs to pray in a spirit pray in the holy ghost you know get in his prayer closet and start speaking in tongues start praying in tongues like 
And I think it's uh, that's a weird thing for the church to talk about. I think it's a weird thing for Christians to talk about is praying in tongues, what it does for you, what it, how it benefits us, and how how we need it. Paul referenced it in First Corinthians. I want to say it was in twelve when he was explaining. If it wasn't twelve, I think it was fourteen. But I want to say it was twelve. First Corinthians 4, twelve. So he was he referenced that. He said, you know, he said he would rather walk in and speak five words in his own understanding. Uh, than to speak a hundred thousand words or whatever in, a, in an unknown tongue, he said, because an unknown tongue edifies the believer. Mm-hmm. He said, and so if there is none among you who can interpret, he said, let him do so by himself. You know, mm-hmm. let him just communicate with God. He said, because now if there's someone interpret, you know, that can interpret tongues, and I'm talking about someone who's proved to be uh, an interpreter of tongues, right. because he also he also um, he also mentions, I want to say in that same passage, he talks about how. Uh, that if you speak in tongues, you should pray for an interpretation of yeah. what it is that you're He also, about. I think it's funny that you even said that because that pastor had pointed out, he said he also said that even though he said um, he would rather only be able to speak a few words or whatever, he also, if you read later on down that passage, he says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Well, think about it. You know, I had somebody elaborate on that one time. They said, you know, that he must have went to sleep praying in tongues. He must've mm-hmm. got up praying in tongues. He must've been praying in tongues in his sleep. He must've, you know, and some people would think that's weird, but think about it. You can talk in your sleep. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, under serious stress situations and stuff like that, you can, you'll talk in your sleep and, right. you know, you'll, you know, lash out in your dreams and all kinds of stuff like that. So uh, yeah. I wouldn't, I would venture to say that there was a possibility he could have been doing that while he was sleeping. Um, well, I've woke up praying while I was sleeping. I've, woke I, up I've never prayed in tongues while I was sleeping. I've well, I, have I was about to say I recently I have, but I was about not. To say, I've had some dreams like where I was praying in tongues in my dream, right? Uh, and then I woke up like coming, you know, like that lucid sleep. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then like when I, my mouth is moving. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so I'm like, oh god. <laughs> That's like one of the the scriptures that I have for the devotions this week. It talks about I can't even remember where it's at, but it was talking about um, how we need to meditate on the word day and night. And how, uh, and I was talking about how I had just went through this season where, and I'm thankfully I'm coming to the end of that season and stepping into the new season. But I, I've, I've been in this season recently where I just, I know I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. I've been praying, I've been reading, I've, I've, you know, I'm, I've been fasting. I've, I've been doing everything I know to do, but I just felt like, I had nothing left to give. Like I had just completely been drained. And even though I was sleeping, I was not sleeping. Like it was not a quiet sound sleep. It was my mind racing on thoughts and it wasn't even um, like meditating or anything like that. It was more of um, all that, that, that show we were watching and stuff like, cause normally I go to bed and I read my Bible. I wake up and I read my Bible and I wasn't doing that. I was watching that show and then I'd get up and then I'd watch, um, the, the reels on Facebook or whatever, instead of reading my Bible, which I normally do, which is all on me. I'm, I'm not blaming anybody or anything else, but I had noticed it was affecting my moods. It was affecting my emotions and how I'm feeling physically and it was really starting to bother me and I and I was praying on the way to um no when I went to bed last night because you told me to go to bed because I told you I was just really tired and I was praying when I went to bed I said why do I feel like this why is this even a thing that I'm feeling because I was mistaking physical tiredness to spiritual tiredness 
and I've been mistaking physical hunger for spiritual hunger. You know what I mean? Like, well, vice versa. I've been mistaking spiritual hunger for physical hunger and physical tiredness, you know. But it just, I, I don't know. I, I really recognized that last night God had showed me that it wasn't that I was really tired physically. I was spiritually tired because I wasn't renewing myself by praying in the spirit. I wasn't edifying myself by praying in the spirit. It wasn't that I wasn't reading. It wasn't that I wasn't doing the things that I normally do because I was still doing those things. It was just, I was not doing the extra stuff that I was doing before. I was not tapping into that glory realm, so to speak. I wasn't, you know, so I, 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 I recognized that last night. So I, I guess speaking about that today is just really, um, a topic that I have been personally dealing with. So personally experiencing. Well, you think about, uh, you know, what it means to recharge and Paul again, he still talked about it and he said, you know, you got to renew your spirit, man. He said, you got to crucify your flesh daily. Mm -hmm. You got to renew your spirit, man, daily. You know, if you're doing one thing daily, I guarantee you it's going to require that the other is done daily. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't just say, oh, well, I got to crucify my flesh daily, but I'll feed my spirit man once a month. No, that doesn't get can't it done. Do that. Because you wouldn't be able to crucify your flesh daily unless you were speeding, you know, feeding your spirit man every single right. day. And it's a lot of things like what Amber just talked about, you know, praying, reading. Um, spending time with God and and fasting and all those different elements. Those are all things that you do uh, that renew and refresh you and cause you to come into a place where um, you would look back on yourself and say, okay, uh, God, what's next? You know what I mean? Right. Um, oftentimes, uh, you'll find um, legitimate successful ministers after big victories and stuff like that um, yes, they're drained, but you'll always find them in most cases, uh, at least the ones that I've surrounded myself with. And I can't say this about every successful minister out there, uh, but at least the ones that I've surrounded myself with after I see them take big victories and stuff like that, or big nights where, you know, miracles are happening, God's moving and everything's, you know, people are getting healed. You see those kinds of things. And then they usually have their moment on the mountain. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus went out and spent, uh, all this time around multitudes and multitudes were coming to him. And we talked about demonstrating the spirit and we talked about why those multitudes were coming to him. But when they did, uh, you know, afterwards I said, he went into the mountain and prayed, right. You know, that's where you were going to find him most time. And why do you think they could come to the garden of Gethsemane or Gethsemane? Gethsemane? I think that's how you say it. Why do you think it was that he could come there? And they knew he would be there because it was his custom. It was, it was a normal pattern for him. You know, he would go and do all these crazy, great, big things, and then he would go and hide and pray and spend time. Recharging. What do you think he was doing? He was recharging himself. Right. You know, well, and that's, he I said mean, that the disciples said, you know, Master, have you ate? And he said, I've got food to eat that you know not of. Right. You know, why? what do you think that was? He was recharging himself. And he had actually, you know, see, one thing I noticed about Jesus was Jesus never had to put his flesh to death. No. Now, did he struggle with flesh? Yes. You I could say, say so. I'm sure he did. You could say he could. You could say he did. Um, and, but does that mean he had to crucify his flesh? And I say no to that. Why do I say no to that? Because he wasn't born in sin. You know, sin nature was transferred by blood, mm -hmm. right? By one, all men fell, right? That's what, that's what he said. One Adam, all men fell. 
Well, another Adam, all men were saved by one. So Adam passed on sin nature to the rest of the world through the blood, mm-hmm. his blood. You know what I'm saying? That that so when God come upon and the Holy Ghost come upon Mary and she was with child, there was no flesh or blood involved. Right. It was purely he was purely birthed out of the spirit. Does that mean again, like I said, he didn't deal with the natural things of the flesh? You know, he probably there was probably women he was attracted to, but he knew I can't I can't do that. That's not mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, as you would describe it as a unit. You know, a Nazarite, actually. They said they would call him a Nazarite. But see, the Jewish people at that time was thinking a Nazarite was going to be somebody who uh, followed the law of a Nazarite. You know, they weren't grabbing a hold of the fact that he was going to be a Nazarene. You see what I'm saying? He came right. from Nazareth. He, he might not have been that he was a Nazarite uh, or he took the oath of a Nazarite, um, but he came from Nazarene. And so... Like I said, you'll find him every time going back and replenishing and refreshing and stuff like that. But I don't ever think personally that it was ever to deter his flesh because his flesh didn't have any rule over him. No. You see what I'm saying? That's why Paul said you have to walk in the spirit. You have to be renewed in the spirit. You know, you have to let your spirit man make decisions about what you're going to do. Why? Because that was the example Jesus gave us. Yeah, that's another, there you go, you could talk about it that way, it's another demonstration of the Spirit. It leads and guides him. And so he, right, because he says, hey, I'm, you know, he was fully God, fully man, and he gave us the example of how to live life on earth being filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, that's where we met, we miss that, and I'm telling you, Christians, they miss that so every time. That's the simplicity of what it means to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You can be like Jesus, because see, people say, oh, well, Oh, you know, not nobody's perfect. No, nobody's perfect. But you have a responsibility now that you are saved and now that you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you've been infilled by the Holy Ghost, you have a responsibility to pursue holiness. Right. You no longer get the option to make decisions about what you want to do. The Bible says you were bought with a price. So your job is to pursue holiness in all of its aspects because the Bible also tells us that without holiness, no man will see him. Do you think that that means here on earth or in heaven? I think both. Think about it this way. The Bible says that his righteousness was imputed to us. Right. The first Adam, all death, death came by the first Adam. Life came by the second Adam. This was the description Paul was giving. And he said, his righteousness was imputed unto us. His cleanness was imputed unto us because this corruptible flesh has to put on incorruption. You see what I'm saying? So he said his righteousness was imputed. It did not say his holiness. It did not say that. See, righteousness means we have right standing with God. Right. It's definition in the Hebrew and the Greek. We stand in a place that's acceptable before God. Does God, does that mean that God does not um, understand what we're dealing with? No, that doesn't mean that he doesn't understand what we're dealing with. If that was the case, then Jesus wouldn't be there interceding for us. Mm -hmm. He said, therefore, if you do sin, you have an advocate. Not that you could sin so that grace may abound. That was never what he, that's never what Jesus's intent was. He said, if you do sin, you have an advocate in Christ. Why is it? Because Jesus was tempted in every way, shape and form that we are, yet found with no sin. He pursued holiness. Holiness is well within your range of accomplishments, if I could say it that way. Um, does that mean that everybody's going to be in the same spot? No. 
you know, you are going to have to learn how to grow glory to glory. Line upon line, precept upon precept was what Isaiah said. He said, Lord, who's who's believed our report? So think of it this way. If you grow glory to glory, at some point, like we talked about before, mistakes eventually have to stop being mistakes. Right. They have to quit being a lifestyle. You can't do something 150 times. Now, God will forgive you because he loves you. But you can't honestly convince yourself. What This is what Paul was saying. Not that you would sin so that grace could abound. He said the only reason that Christ is there as an advocate is so that if you do find yourself in sin or in a place that would be displeasing to God, you have an advocate. It wasn't so that we could go out and deliberately do things. Now, when we go out and deliberately do things, does that mean God will come back and he will restore? Yes, he will. But that doesn't give you an excuse exactly. to keep doing it. Because Bible also talks about how he knows our heart. So if if he knows our heart, that means he knows, oh, God will forgive me. If we've got that kind of mindset, oh, God will forgive me. I'll just go do it anyway. That's wrong. You know, I actually had a guy one time. That's he... grieving the spirit. Exactly. And so if we know that we can grieve the spirit, we know that we can also make him happy. How is it you think that we're grieving? Mm-hmm. I would venture to say that could have something to do with it. <laughs> so think about it. Um, I had a guy one time, he 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 said, oh, you're going to be in Dayton because he found out we was going to be in Dayton at the church down there. He goes, oh, you're going to be in Dayton, huh? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, how about you come down here uh, and hang out with us Saturday night? He said, and then... He said, you might have some stuff that you're going to have to go ask for some forgiveness for on Sunday. And I was like, no. Yeah, no. I'm not doing that. And he's like, oh, come on, man. And, you know, he's like, yeah, it's not going to be that bad. And I was like, no. I was like, I'm not doing that. He goes, why not? And he just, it, it baffled him, right? Because it's that sloppy grace message that mm-hmm. 95% of America seems to be convinced about. Why? Because I am trying to pursue holiness. That doesn't mean that I get it right every time. That doesn't mean that I don't deal with flesh because I was born into sin. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That doesn't mean that I don't deal with um, those areas. But that doesn't mean that just because I deal with those areas, I have to stop trying. Mm -hmm. What did Proverbs say? He said, a righteous man falls. Yeah, even if he falls the seventh time, he can get back up. You know, there's an opportunity. I think you said God knows our hearts. I think that's how we, I mean, you talked about it earlier. That's how we come up with what the Bible called uh, when God said that this is a man after my own heart. That's what Mm -hmm. he called David. Uh, And we was talking about that because I had a prophet say that to me. Mm -hmm. What do you think that really is? Well, I think what that is, is your unrelenting pursuit that even when you know you're doing wrong, Everything in you wants to try to fix it. Right. Even when you don't know how to fix it. Even when you don't know how to straighten it out. Even when you don't know, um, even when you get yourself locked down in condemnation and you're thinking, God will never forgive me. Not this time. This is the hundredth time I've done this. And I know what my pattern is. And I know I can get away from this, but I don't do it. You know, see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you get stuck in that. And I think the unrelenting desire to pursue him even in even when you know you've been found in opposition 
That's what David did. David, when David, when the prophet came and told David, your son's going to die. What did David do? David pursued God. Mm -hmm. He knew he was wrong. He knew he was wrong. He knew the child was going to die. He knew Bathsheba was going to go through it with him. Whole kingdom was going to experience this. But he didn't run around and go pout and hide. Mm -mm. And, oh, God, I can't believe I did this. I can't believe this. He owned his mistake. It's crazy you say, you talk about this because I was talking to somebody had asked me today. Um, they were asking me about um, this dream that they had had and how in this dream or no. It wasn't a dream. I, I apologize. It was not a dream. This person had a uh, preacher or something tell them they were going to die in a car cr crash, a black car crash. And he, I guess this preacher told this person and their grandma the same thing. And she, so the, this, this, this whole time they've been avoiding black cars because they're terrified that they're going to die in a black car now. And, you know, when you when you talk about that, um, it, it reminds me of what Ryan Lestrange talked about in um, one of his posts. He had said, you know, there's word curses and sometimes they f these preachers and stuff or pastors or whatever, they feel like this might be something that's supposed to be said, but it's not something they should have said. And they're on, they're at that point. They're kind of cursing your life instead of and not on purpose either. They're just that's what they seen in that moment and that's where it's in our power to pursue god in it and pray against it or pray for it or you know whatever right. and you were talking about that with david it just reminded me of that because what did david do when he was told this awful news he pursued god he that's prayed. exactly what he did and he and he prayed and fasted and, and i actually believe the bible tells us that he had he was hoping to turn god's heart right yeah that's the only reason he did it well, then the child died, I want to say seven days later, or a week or two later, something like that. child dies, mm -hmm. and they're scared to come in and tell David. They said, he's already vexed himself, and he's already done all this other stuff. How much worse do you think it's going to be now that he knows the child's dead? Right. And what happened? They came in, and David didn't even let it get out of their mouths. He goes, is the child dead? And they said, yes, Lord, he is. And what did he do? He got up, he cleaned himself off, he showered. He had them bring food, and he, and they said, you know, what's this all about? You know, why is it that? Because he was done with that season of his life. Right. David was a man that when he wronged God, or he knew he had wronged God, or he had knew he had wronged someone else, he accepted his consequences. Yeah. He took them for what they were, and he would still pursue God even in the middle of a wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, think about it. Right. That's what he did there. You know, he, he, he was so filled and see, I talked about this and I've preached on this and we, and you've talked about it, but he, he was so revelation driven about God's mercy. Nothing in that moment would have convinced him otherwise. You see, why do you think it is that he pursued God? Because he knew, even though I've done wrong, God, you have an opportunity. You could change this. Right. You could fix this. Even though I've done wrong, I know you could fix this. If you choose to. See, sometimes we want God to fix a situation in our life, but we don't want to we don't want to acknowledge the fact about how we got there. Right. And then so we get mad 
at God because the Bible says that sin produces death. Right. And that child was born in a sinful relationship and, and what was found not acceptable in the day and age and according to the word and according to the Lord. He said, this is not acceptable. That child's fate was sealed the moment it was conceived. And see, we want God to come in and fix our situations when we go and do something dumb. And it doesn't always happen like that. You know, I, it's hard talking to people about stuff like this because they, they always think that God's just, oh, well, God's merciful. Well, God's this. Well, God is. God is all of those things. But God's also a judge. And God is also going to honor his word. You know, it, it, that also goes with this other scripture I had on there today, too. And it was talking about um, how the day of the Lord is coming in judgment and his judgment will be placed upon all people and how you will be accounted for everything you've done. The Bible says That's, you receive every deed you've yeah. done in a fresh, good, bad, or indifferent. Yeah. Well, this one And the was, only thing that's going to matter at that day is whether or not your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Right. Well, this was talking about how you're going to basically reap literally what you've sown. So I can't remember the exact wording, but it was talking about how um, you're going to get what you have given pretty much. So if you've done wrong... You're gonna receive that wrong. He's well, think gonna, about it like he's this. gonna show you. Think about it like this, Peter. I want to give hope to people who are listening to us and thinking, "Oh well, if that's the case, I just can't be saved." Blah blah blah. Peter denied the Christ three times, and one record of that happening says Jesus turned and looked at him. Paul mass murdered Christians. Right. Who's another one here? Oh, and guess what? And Peter's, Peter's, you know, agitation and disobedience continued on. Because later on you find out in Acts that when he returns back to Jerusalem, he separates himself from among the Gentiles and refuses to have anything to do with them. And Paul confronts him about it. So right. Peter continued to have a rebellious spirit in areas right. of his life. Paul possibly had moments where he had dealt with things like that. You could go through and probably find and the these were, of the apostles. And these are the apostles. This I was about to say, these were leaders. On. Yeah, yeah these this were is what leaders. the church was built on. So don't think that even though we're talking about these kinds of things, that God can't turn those things around. But remember this. Yes, they did those things. And I use Peter and Paul because those are what everybody likes to talk about. We all want to talk about Peter's shadow. We all want to talk about... When him and John went into the into the temple and the man who was sitting there who was blind, you know, we all want to talk about, or lame, I'm sorry, he was lame. We want to talk about all those things, but we what we refuse to look at or what we choose maybe not even refuse but don't want to really acknowledge is the fact that even though those things were going on in their life, when they realized it was wrong, they quit. Yeah, they turned away. Well, look at the woman. The Do you woman. think that that was permanently the... or for a season? Right. I mean, I'm just, I'm asking you. Do you think that was permanently or for a season? I'm sure they quit permanently. I'm sure temptation probably still crept in and was like, hey, you know. But well, I mean, how many that's times do you think anybody. that they fell? Well, that's what I'm saying. How many times do you think that they fell to that again? Probably not at all because they know what it did for them the last time they did it. 
I don't think that's true. I think that I, I think mean, that it's possible, because they're human beings, they dealt with some of those things. It's possible. You know what I'm but saying? But that's like I was about to say, but that's like the the lady who was caught in the act of adultery. I mean, she was a known sinner and they brought her into Jesus, threw her on the ground and was like, look what she's doing, you know? And just like you said, you know, now this lady wasn't a leader, but she, if I'm not mistaken, she followed Jesus after that. Like she was amongst the crowd of people that were constantly with him. So I, I want to take a minute here because like I said, even though we're kind of talking about this, I, I want you guys to still understand that if you're new and you're listening to us, you know, God is, is merciful. Yes. Um, but there's also plenty, you know, do we, are we really convinced? Pastor Dosik asked this question one time. He said, are you really convinced that God will not be who he said he would be? Revelation is the only thing that's left to be fulfilled. Right? That was the revelation of John while he was on the island of Patmos. That was what the Lord showed him. And so that's all that's left to be fulfilled. And then this world passes away. So do you think that he won't be who he said he would be? That's the only thing we're pointing at. Yes, God's merciful. Yes, God loves us. Yes, God wants the best for us. Yes, God wants to bless us. He wants to increase us. And he wants to do that here on this earth, and he wants to do it for us in heaven. But think about it. Do you really want to cross over that line and not have him on your side? Because like Amber was saying, at the end of the day, you're going to receive everything you've done, good and bad. Every word, you're going to give an account for every idle word you have ever spoken. Think about it. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to have all that. And if you do, the only thing that's going to matter at that day is, is your name in the book. It was Obadiah one fifteen. It says, For the judgment day of the Lord draws near on all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you in retribution. Your evil dealings will return on your own head. And that's, I mean, that's all we're pointing at is that, you know, there's still this other side of God that we have yet to experience yet. And Jesus is actually the one who he committed the judgment to. That's, that's scriptural. Yeah. It doesn't say that God, the father is going to come down. It said, Jesus is coming back and he's going to wage war and he's going to establish a kingdom. And then after he does that, there's going to be a season where the enemy is loosed. And then there's going to be the final battle. You know, there's there, Jesus. It amazes me that even though all those things are going to take place, even in that he is still showing mercy. He's still giving us a chance. Man, I would never want to. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm stiff-necked, and I, I argue with the Lord sometimes about just dumb stuff, and I get aggravated, and I go through seasons where I'm just like, God, this is stupid. Why are we doing this? And I'll scream and yell at him, and then I never get anywhere. But I would, I, man, could you imagine having to be that rebellious that that's what it takes? Like, I've read that I don't know how many times, and I, I would not want to spend five months looking for a way to die, and it just escaped me. I just could not imagine having to do that. I mean, seriously, that's that's in there. Did you, did you not read that? No, I did. Okay, I was about to say, think about that. It's going to escape. Death is going to escape people for like at least five months, five and a half months, or something like that. And you'll want to die, and you won't be able to. 
He'll try to die, and it, it won't happen. Thanks. Because you're going to think, oh, well, if I could just die and get out of here. Nope. <laughs> I mean, no, I wouldn't want to do it either. But anyways, there is still time for you now. There's still time for you now to take a, make a choice and be in pursuit of God and be in pursuit of holiness and be in pursuit of being renewed in the spirit and be in pursuit of growing your spirit, man, so that way you can step into places of blessing and increase on your life. And so we're going to give you an opportunity for that today. And so if you want to just repeat this prayer with me, I just want you to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask Jesus into my life as Lord and Savior. And I ask that you would forgive me of all my sin and that you would bring me into sonship. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so please reach out to us. We want to know about that. If you guys have accepted Christ today, we just want to celebrate with you. It's not a statistic. We just really want to celebrate. So, um, Amber, go ahead and pray us out. Father, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. We just ask you to recharge our batteries, Lord. Show us what we need to do to get that fulfillment back, that we wouldn't be so drained and so tired spiritually and, and, and mentally, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would just come in and recharge each of us today, that you would just hit us with the power, Lord. And we thank you for it. We ask, Lord, that you're... you're your presence would just fall on your people and that they would hear this and hear this with understanding and not confusion, that confusion and chaos do not come on this message. And I thank you for it. And I just give you praise in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys, join back in with us next week as we get ready to roll out the testimony series. Take care. And God bless.